0: And welcome to this edition of So Important. We have a very special guest today, Mr. Steve Hackett. Steve was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2010 as a member of the seminal progressive rock band Genesis. He played guitar with Genesis from 1971 to 1977 when they were at the height of their progressive rock powers. And on top of all of that, he has released over 25 solo albums, including two just last year. Steve is obviously passionate about his music, creating it and playing it. Steve simply never stops touring, at least not for long, and he is supported by a group of stellar musicians that take his music to new and enthralling levels. As a guitarist, Steve is in a class unto himself. Melodic, classically influenced, and always tasteful. Steve leaves the pyrotechnics aside, allowing his virtuosity to shine through simply by creating music that is uniquely, transcendently his own. And he never stops experimenting, as his recent forays will attest. I had the good fortune to see Steve and his band play a couple of months ago. I'll be seeing him again on March 6th at the Warner Theater in Washington, D.C. Steve will be playing a mix of his solo material as well as classic Genesis, and I can assure you, seeing these guys play is a not-to-be-missed experience. We're going to talk about the current tour, what's on the horizon, and just what it is that makes the music of Genesis, as well as Steve's own music, so enduring and beloved after all of these years. So Steve, with that, I am truly honored to welcome you to the show. Thank you so much, Monty. It's a very nice and uh, comprehensive introduction. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I'm almost 60 years old, and every day I'm thinking about what can I do to inch closer to retirement. Here you are, I think about 10 years my senior, you're putting out one, two records a year, touring the world. To me, that is just so admirable, and it really speaks highly about your commitment, not only to making music, but to sharing it.
1: Well, I uh, always we thought being involved with music was a privilege in the first place, and I, I never really saw it as work. The idea is that musicians play, so there's the implied idea of enjoyment in the first place. So there's a, there's got to be a, a childlike link, no matter how complex the music uh, might get at times. Um, at the end of the day, there's an aspect of, of child's play in there. So I'm very happy to be doing it. And if I can speed up and produce things more quickly, um, I will. But, you know, I like to have that quality control so a song never gets finished until it's absolutely ready.
0: There's so many times when I just watch you play and you have a nice smile on your face, even if you're playing tunes that are 40 years old.
1: Doing that, I realize that I'm uh, sort of invoking something Yeah, obviously uh, I'm I'm locking memories, but it's invoking magic for people. The idea that time stops right here and what binds us is something that transcends the time when it was written, and uh, there's no other word for it, but magic if it it speaks
0: directly to the emotions. It really does. We'll talk about this in a minute, but I know you're planning on playing the musical box in your your next Mm -hmm. tour, and that is the song that got me hooked on Genesis, and it was your guitar that did it. So that is magic and you know when i saw you guys knowing that your solo on birth of fifth was coming and just taking a deep breath and waiting for it and then it comes back next
1: About the two songs that you've mentioned. Musical Box was actually written before I, I joined the band, but Peter Gabriel said to me, well, if you write guitar parts for this, you know, you get full credit as a writer. And so, and so I was given, you know, three small solos on it. And, um, all of them were kind of memorable in their own way, whether they were, um, meandering and more like a, more like a musical box, or whether they were more, you know, flat out rock, or at the end, there's, something where originally I did a three-part harmony guitar solo and Brian May said to me that was influential for him and I I thought he was the inventor of uh, three-part harmony that whole thing so um, he shared a a love of that the idea of of the guitar perhaps becoming an orchestra in itself.
0: Something that came to fruition on the Selling England album, and uh, I want to come to that in a minute, because I know that's a big part of your tour. But I I also want to make sure that uh, we talk a little bit about your solo work, because the stuff you're doing is very, very powerful. At the Edge of Light was an exemplary piece. Very focused, very worldly in its perspective, and you clearly had a, a message with that.
1: Uh, yeah, um, we we worked with people from around the world, so I was thinking of it as my regular band, but then we uh, augmented it with with other people, people from Azerbaijan, from India, um, Iceland, and, and so the list goes on. So yeah, America was represented in there, and it was a kind of a United Nations and in a way. Um, it was flying in the face of what's going on currently with uh, with world politics where nationalism is on the rise, the idea of each country being for itself. And um, I thought, you know, actually, I, I think we need music to remind people that, you know, the idea is to try and build bridges. We can't go back to a time before the Phoenicians, before people started trading. So goods and ideas and goodwill. So what I do is just a byproduct of having made friends all around the world uh, with people who happen to have extraordinary skills, so I, I get them in. I, I wasn't planning to make any political statement with that, but there's some social comment that goes with some of the songs, certainly. So um, yeah, I, I, I didn't want to work with limitations and, and, and with prejudice.
0: that's probably as different from Genesis as you can get. It's a group called, I'm sure you know them, Sparks. They never stop experimenting. They never stop doing something new. And that just comes out wonderfully on that album. Well, I think
1: Sparks were a very clever band.
0: You know, there's a tremendous pressure to uh, come up with the
1: goods in three or four minutes and be able to hit people over the head with it. But, You know, there's the other aspect of of music that was free to tell a story from a time when uh, people were prepared to allow themselves to be taken on on a journey that perhaps only an album could uh, provide. And we all grew up listening to singles as kids. That's all we could afford. But I started to buy albums, and I found that I would listen to the whole thing. And to uh, arrive at a point, having gone through all of those things that might have been distractions away from the main event, which might
0: be a really powerful thing at the beginning or at the end, and it's all part of what albums can do. I feel like an album is its a statement of a place and time and a sound that the band wanted at that point, and I love listening to it from, a, from beginning to end, just as you described. There's something very special about that.
1: I believe that there are people, perhaps like yourself and uh, myself, who um, are prepared to be taken off on that on that journey, and and, and what a thrill it is to uh, greet these old tracks like like old friends and be taken through it once again to feel yeah there was this one and there was that one and that emotion and it's a wonderful thing like watching a, a favourite movie and um, you just have to use the word classic there's nothing else that will do but you know it's funny the way fashion works. Just recently, they started making a Lego figure of me, and then, for a joke, we started to sell it at shows. And suddenly, lots of young kids are buying that who've never been interested in anything I've ever done. And with the return to vinyl, the fascination of people who've not grown up with something that big, to have an album sleeve that big in your hand, at the end of the day, you still find the
0: same magic. Let's shift gears a little bit and talk about uh, what you're planning on doing on the current tour, because you're playing some highlights from a few of your albums that I know are very special to you, as well as to many of your fans. They're, they're pretty important albums in the Steve Hackett catalog.
1: Well, um, you mentioned the latest one, At the Age of Light. So we do something from that. We're also celebrating Special Mornings, which was from 1979. But it'll be the 40th anniversary this year of "Defector." Um, which is a follow up to Spectrum Mornings and I'm doing some things from that as well. Plus Setting England by the Pound in its entirety, plus one extra track, which, uh, if you've seen the slides, you know that we did the track called Deja Vu, which um, is originally um, something from Peter Gabriel, which I basically wrote with him. And um, also, we're going to do a couple of Genesis classics. In addition, watch of the Sky from Foxtrot and the Musical Box from Nursery Crime. So it's a three-hour show. I've tried to make it as comprehensive as possible, and in some ways, you know, we're we're backed by popular demand. I was doing this, you know, for for the whole of last year, and I'm going to do some more shows of this and take it to certain territories that we haven't been to before, like Australia and um, uh, and New Zealand, Japan, and then later in the year we'll we'll come back and we'll do another kind of show. Meanwhile, we're working on mixing the album from the uh, the, the British tour, the selling England show, so that's going on as as we speak.
2: Well,
0: let's let's step back and talk about Selling England a little bit. You know, my impression when I saw the show was that it was just a perfect balance between your solo work and the Genesis work. And I thought, you know, it's more than just keeping the Genesis flame alive. It's really giving people a chance to hear everything that Steve Hackett is about.
1: Tony Banks said to me, you're keeping the legacy alive. You know, it, it's nice to hear that from him because I have so much, you know, respect for him. It's a great team of writers, and um, I think that's what's kept it alive. To be honest, it's, it's, it's the quality of writing, the quality of ideas at the end of the day. It was really all about the music then.
0: Well, it really was. And you know uh, there, there's something very special, I guess, like you said, the mix of people and writers that came together to make that music. That is a really unique thing. and I think it's great that you're keeping the the legacy alive. everybody uh, you know, everybody who goes to the shows walks away with a big smile on their face and feeling like they've really experienced something very special.
1: The music is still special, so I, I don't see any any contradiction between um, being a solo performer and and doing Genesis band work. You know, nobody stands alone with this stuff. I've had a number of bands being proud of all of them in different ways. Of course, with Genesis, I think that the guys came up with Bella ideas that are still with us now. And I think, oh, wow, you know, what an incredible song we did back in the day. What of the skies? You can't really write another one like it. There it is. It, it functions in, in, in that strange kind of uh, syncopated way, but then it's got an orchestral aspect. And even if it was... The the mere Mellotron, um, it's got that kind of monstrous thing. It's uh, it's a huge sounding thing. I, I mean, I've re-recorded this stuff with orchestras at times. Sometimes you think, well, oh, nothing but a but Mellotron will do. So we, we use both together.
0: to get a scoop here because one of the things that's often discussed on uh, the message boards is did Steve Hackett introduce the Mellotron to Genesis?
1: I pushed very heavily for it. In, in the first year I was with the band, we got ours from King Crimson. We heard that they were selling Melotron. Mellotron. And the one we put off from was a big old Mark II Mellotron, the same as the Beatles had. We met Robert Fripp. And it was great, you know, by the end of that day, we pinched the deal and we decided to uh, to buy the thing. And, um, and Tony was an absolute natural on it. I think that it suited his approach very, very well.
0: And that really gets us back to the music. Uh, And I want to talk about Selling England a little bit. I know that that you consider this one of your favorite albums. So what is it in your mind that makes Selling England such a special album? I
1: think when it started, nobody had any idea what it was going to do. I, I think that all albums start with a doodle. You know, people mess around at home with ideas and they bring them in. They get developed with a group. And so the process is always the same, but it started to take on a personality, and it started doing thrilling things. I think, you know, the very first thing that Pete did on it, the acapella singing.
3: Can you tell me where my country lies? Said the uniform to his true love's eyes. It lies with me, cried the Queen of maybe. For her merchandise He traded In his prize Paper late Cried a voice in the crowd mm. Old man dies The note he left Was signed Old Father Thames It seems he's drowned Selling England by the pound citizens of open glory time goes by. It's the time of your life. Easy now Sit you down chewing through your wimpy dreams They eat without a sound.
1: That kind of British Isles feel about it right at the beginning, and then it goes through changes, and the idea of multinationals taking
0: over, and the idea of things being lost,
1: um, and, and then it pitches into this instrumental
0: thing. We're talking about dance, dance with the moonlit night now, right?
1: Yeah, PM. And I think everyone who added something to the track did something extraordinary, and so it it really wrote itself. It, it shaped itself. It's got a thrilling aspect of rock about it, but it's it's got so many other aspects. And then right at the end, it's got this kind of almost a kind of resigned, half-asleep uh, quality, a kind of aspect of, of resignation, an improvised section where anyone could play anything they wanted on it. And uh, and that first track, I think, uh, really says it all for that that period of, of, of Genesis.
0: You know, the whole album is, in my mind, just one of those pieces of work that stands on its own as one of the true classics of all time.
1: Well, yeah, for me, it's my favorite Genesis album. And, um, thing, you know, I would sometimes find myself in far slung places on earth and I'd suddenly hear it on, on the radio in, in, in a, in a place where they don't even speak English. And I'd be thinking,
0: what do they make of this?
1: And yet somehow there must have been something about it.
0: Now, you're going to be touring uh, the Selling England album, along with your solo work, as we discussed, for a few months, and I'm going to urge everyone to go and see it. As I mentioned, it's a pretty transcendent experience, but I also want to talk a little bit about what you have coming up. So, you made a pretty exciting announcement about your next tour, and I'd love to discuss that oh, a
1: bit. Um, we're going to do the whole of Seconds Out as an album. It was cherry-picking across many of the previous albums. So on that, you know, you had stuff from Landmark, like on Broadway, Drag like Carpet Crawl. And um, there is some crossover with setting England, but I will probably do full-length
0: versions of things rather than
1: attempting to just do the segue. So I think what you'll get is seconds out plus.
0: I'll tell you, there's two thoughts that always come up on the message boards. Somebody always says at some point, it's the greatest live album ever. And then somebody else always says, it sure is a shame that Steve's guitar was mixed so low in that. I,
1: I don't know why that happened in uh, the first place. I don't think it diminished the album's appeal, and I can still hear me on it, whether it's the earlier version or the later version. Uh, you sure as hell hear the guitar when I'm doing it live. And I do go back and re-record these things from time to time, either in the studio or certainly live. The reason that I left was because I was no longer allowed to make solo Albums whilst I was a member of the band. My choice was either remain with the band, have no guarantees that anything that I, which is creatively, would get done, or to leave and have the guarantees of all my stuff happening. And when I left the band, of course, I did Please Don't Touch, which has got several personal favorites on it. <laughs>
0: Is. It's life, and life moves on. And Peter chose to yeah. move on. You chose to move on, yeah. and yeah. you've given us an amazing solo career. I'm just glad that we have all the music yeah. from you that we do.
1: Exactly. I know people ask me the question a lot of the time, so I tend to be upfront about it. I'm just saying this is where I'm coming from
0: with it. I don't. I don't think anybody would begrudge you that choice. And if they do, I think that's more on them than on you.
1: Well, I know that Pete uh would have stayed the Genesis if he'd been allowed to have a, a, you know, parallel solo career. But solo careers. Once the band started hemorrhaging band members, it's obvious that they had to allow everyone to have solo careers or else you were going to end up with a band full of one.
0: And now uh, you've given us great music and there's great music on the horizon. It sounds like you're still planning some new work to go along with your, uh, current tour and some of the work that you're bringing back in the, uh, in the touring venues.
1: I, I write every day on the run. Or sitting down, sometimes I might only get a couple of phrases, but that's, that's
2: all it takes
0: for me. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing this. I just love listening to your band and uh, the way you've let them stretch out on songs, on pretty much everything. And, but I was thinking about I Know What I Like. And I want to just say as a drummer, just listening to uh, Craig Blundell is such a treat, and you've really put together just a top-notch outfit.
1: Yeah, they are an extraordinary band, and and Craig has been a really important new uh, addition. He's extraordinary, so he has, has his own following. He's tremendously popular amongst drummers, and it's on the front page of so many drumming magazines. So I'm glad you like him. Thank you.
0: And watching Rob Townsend in action is a real treat, just because you never know what he's going to
2: pick up next.
1: Well, he's a a kind of human whirlwind in that way. You know, um, he started off being you know, brass and woodwinds with us, but um, he's become much more than that. Uh, He was trained as a percussionist originally, and um, um, he's quite capable of doing that, and does, and also doing extra keyboards with us, and also singing. So, you know, he does all of that. He's a tremendous uh, personality, great sense of humor, wonderful guy loves being on the road every night i see him playing and he's just the personification of joy up there doing it And uh, that, that's irreplaceable
0: well thank you for uh bringing them around and and uh giving us the opportunity to enjoy the the music that they're producing as i said at the beginning they take your music and really bring it to new levels and i mentioned rob and uh craig but I, I want to be clear, the whole band is just a top-notch outfit, and it's really a credit to you that you take the time to make sure you have such great musicians that are playing with you.
1: Well, thank you very much. Yeah, I'm I'm very proud of them, and I, I love touring with these guys, so thank
0: you. Well, Steve, it's yeah. been a wonderful conversation. Anything that you want to make sure you get out there, something I forgot to ask you about?
1: Yeah, I, I can't think of anything. I'm just really looking forward to being on tour again doing uh, what I do best and um, it was a thrill to get out and, and do it it's always been a privilege uh, to do this as a job is uh, the best thing in the world
0: well it's a privilege to get to hear you and I can't thank you enough so this has been great
1: and good luck with your own playing and uh, I hope that fills you with the same amount of joy that it does me
0: there's nothing I can add to that great thought so thank you again
1: all the best Monty
0: alright Steve thank you thank you
2: Bye-bye. bye bye